doing, man? Good to see you. It's good to see you. I um I'm been trying to uh so we had originally done a podcast last spring and at the end of it I was thinking of uh catching you again before you graduated. <laughs> I mean And of course that didn't happen. Uh Yep. No, because not because no one saw anyone else ever again starting around March. Yeah, that, that that's right. Everyone just disappeared into their own worlds uh starting when uh lockdown started. And um now I'm fine I am finally having you on again, but albeit in in diff, under different circumstances. Uh when I originally started doing the podcast, I stressed how much I wanted it the aesthetic to be two people in the room talking because I like the energy that arises from two, from be people sitting across from a table from each other. But of course, I can't do that now. Yeah. And so I've resorted to doing remote recording and um so far it's uh, I have to tell you it's not great. It's not great, really. Because I don't know, like I um the first um person I tried to record the other day remotely, it um we had a lot of technical issues and I have like half an episode in the can and we're going to try to do more later on. Oh man. To finish out the the convo. Man, that that that's too bad. I mean, like things have been hard. I'll say like watching like as a musician, watching everything going on and like trying to like record with people and have different meetings. It it's hard, but it's doable. It just takes some time. Yeah. And um uh, if you uh I really I would like you to eat this mic. Oh, oh, whoops! So, just so we can have consistent levels. Of course, try not to. I am also. On it. <laughs> if if I remember correctly, you said this. You're speaking into an SM58. Yes, I am also speaking into an SM58. Oh, nice! Yours looks a lot fancier. You got a nice. Well, that's just because it has a it. has a windscreen. It has a like forty five cent windscreen or something like that on it. Mm-hmm. Now. Now, uh, last I heard, um, you gra- you had graduated with your degree in jazz studies and such. That's right. And now you're at UMass Amherst. That that's Amherst. right. That's it. For, excuse me. The the H is silent. A- Amherst. <laughs> that's right. A- Amherst. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, is um, are you, is your Matt? This is it's your graduate program in like jazz composition. Or, yeah, that, that's it. I'm doing the program up there is called the Jazz Composition and Arranging Program, and I'm studying under uh, Jeff Holmes and Felipe Salas and uh, a bunch of great guys up there. Cool, cool. And um, did you was was there always the plan to go to grad school for for jazz? That's, I mean, the plan was like to have the grad school option there. Um, right. The question was, was I going to go now? Was I going to go later? Um, was the money going to be there? That's the big question. Because like, oh, yeah. I, I came out of undergrad. I came, I got really lucky with just my situation between scholarship and um, grand parental foresight. Um, and and I was like, okay, I made it through undergrad without getting much debt at all. How can I do this and get a master's degree? Especially since like there's a possibility of trying to teach in the future or... Um, 
do things at a college level where I would need like a master's. So I was like, all right, let's go out. We're going to go see if we can get any money from any schools. And I applied to two schools. I applied to DePaul University in Chicago. Cause cool. I was so tempted to move to Chicago because it's such a great yeah. city, such a great jazz scene, such a great place in general. Um, and I applied to UMass Amherst because uh, I have a lot of local connections up there. And uh, DePaul gave me some money, but UMass, UMass gave me a, a nice little TA ship that has taken cool. care of a lot of things for me. Not everything, but enough that I could go. So yeah, that's very nice. And uh, do you? Um, were you specifically looking for for a program in like jazz composition, or was it like just any kind of advanced jazz studies? So, you know, it's really funny that you asked that because like I, I played this gig like three years ago in the south end of Hartford at this place called Casona, which is this really great Latin music lounge, as they call it. Which, if things reopen up and stay there, I highly recommend everybody go check out Casona. Great food, great music, great spot. Um, and I played this gig, and this guitar player, Doug Mayer, came up to me at the end. He's like, man, what are you thinking about for grad school? And at the time, I was like, oh, I'll just go do another jazz studies degree. And he's like, man, think about doing something different. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, if you go back to grad school, go back and uh, go do something to make you more versatile. So yeah. he was like, he's like, go do composition or film scoring or education or um, theory or or anything that'll add to your performance skill set. So I was thinking about it for a while. Uh, I think I mentioned this before on the last time. I have my band that's my sextet, and I've been writing a lot for it. So I was like, why not go back to school and work on composition and get better at that than I currently am? So that's how I ended up there in going down that path it was like what is a, a tool in my shed that could use some sharpening right okay i like i like that idea like um say oh getting another degree in jazz studies is i mean sure it's it's cool to do and it means you're really you would be really knowledgeable and well versed in that area of jazz studies but you know making yourself a bit more multidimensional, diversifying your portfolio, you could say, you know, that's, um, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I've had a talk with a lot of my mentors about like, like going back to grad school and like, I'll say this much, like, you know, as much as I had my ups and downs at heart, whether it be with professors or students or whatever, my experience there was so great. And I learned most things about performing this music that I don't feel like I have to go back and do another jazz studies degree somewhere else. Right. You know? Like you've, um, you've been around the block. Oh yeah, man. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no sense going around this particular block again. I mean, I've gone right. around this block about four times in a row now. <laughs> I want to go see something else. <laughs> How many blocks equals a chorus is, <laughs> I mean, who are we talking <laughs> <laughs> man you can walk in a block for hours and still not have done a single course <laughs> <laughs> what you trying to say and um so uh did your um so the last time we saw each other was actually when we did the last podcast which was like shortly before um the world ended oh that's right I was trying to think of when that was again because 
time. It was in like <laughs> February or something, right? I I guess it was. It might have been. Like time is just not the same anymore. <laughs> it's not. It is not. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's when it was. And uh, did uh, how how I I imagine that fucked up your graduation a bit. Um, man, that that that's an interesting topic. Like the biggest drag of going into lockdown in the middle of my last semester, it wasn't missing graduation or walking. Cause I, I honestly was not that concerned about that. I was like, Oh wow. Now I have to go to the Excel center in front of everybody and walk and pretend to walk straight without tripping on this stage. And, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that uh, we didn't do that. But the biggest drag for me, I didn't get to do my senior recital. That, oh yeah, that's right. That bummed me out so much because I was supposed to do my senior recital on uh, April fourth, I think. Mm. It was the day after we were supposed to do the big band concert uh, on campus with Steve Wilson, which also didn't happen, which was a huge drag. Um, you know, so so like that sucked. But you know, having my last half of my last semester online was honestly a gift. And like a lot of people are probably like, oh man, what are you talking about? You're a performance major. Shut up. And I'm like, but seriously, I got, I got so much out of my last semester at heart. I, I practiced more than I ever had. I got to focus on certain parts of my playing I never had before. You didn't you didn't have anywhere to go, so you had a lot of time to practice. I did. <laughs> and and I wrote more tunes. I wrote three charts for a non-net that I want to start when things open up again and like Yeah. I've read some books. I did a lot of puzzles. Sure. I got to finally watch Avatar. Man, I love that show. But uh yeah. Um I got to do a whole bunch of things like that. And and like having that last semester online was so great because I could do all that in my home uh, and, you know, get things ready for the eventual, the eventual reopening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how are things um, at UMass Amherst in terms of like, is it, how different is it from what you would expect it because of COVID? Wow. That's a really, that's an interesting question. Can you give me one second? I just realized I forgot my charger just across the room. Okay. <laughs> one sec, yeah. My bad. <laughs> Whoops. My bad. Right. Ruining the flow of the podcast. No. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll um, like I'll give you an, an image uh, image of what's happening at Hartford. Oh, please do. I've I've heard a bunch of things from the jazz department. But nowhere else. So what's so what's happening is um, every student who was planning to like be on campus, whether for class or because they were living there, had to get tested uh, within a couple of weeks of either of moving in or before class started. Mm-hmm. And and of course, if they test negative, they're they're fine. They'll go, they can go to class in person. But of course, if they test positive, that means they'll move in. And be quarantined in their room forever. I mean, until they're healthy. And like, they'll even have people bring in, bring food to their room for them. And of course, everyone who's out in like public is gonna, is required to wear a mask 
uh, all the rooms have like the desks are arranged so that uh, they're all, they're all six feet apart, and uh, people were required to download an app called Live Safe, where they're um, where they have where they go through like a like a daily health screening, asking questions like how are you feeling today? Do you feel these symptoms? Have you been, have you tested positive, negative, et cetera? And if you, if you clear it, of course you, you are allowed to go to campus and go to class. Yeah. That, that, that's what I've heard from. I got my two roommates. I still live in Hartford actually, which is really, yeah. A lot of people are like surprised by that, but like the work has been down here. I actually just played a gig last night in Hartford, but I, I am back in Massachusetts today. Um, but yeah, so like my roommates were telling me about that because <clears throat> like the one thing, you know, the one thing I get nervous about is like I know a lot of people want to go party and a lot of people want to go see each other without masks. But like what's do you, do you know what Hart's testing policy is besides like the first time test? Um, They will. So there's the testing before you come in to make to see if you to see if you're healthy. But then there will be like sporadic, not not really sporadic. It's it's going to be like grabbing a random sample of people for asymptomatic testing. Oh wow! For, for like a rolling um, test, like testing kind of thing that like grab like every week, every two weeks, grabbing a random sample of people to to test them. Oh wow, that's really interesting because. So, so back to your original question about UMass Amherst before I <laughs> realized my laptop was about to die. My bad. But uh, UMass, so I had to go do my first test. Um, so this is my first COVID test. And I took it like the day I showed up for my first day of classes, which is like all my classes are online. So, but I had to show up that day to grab a textbook. I had to figure out like I showed up and they're like, Oh, do you have a U card? And I'm like, what the heck is a U card? And like, I'm like, man, why, why aren't you guys telling me I was super in the dark. And like, I showed up, I just got my U card on like Thursday, which is like two or three weeks later. Um, but yeah, like, like, uh, you know, so I do my first test though on that first day and pick up a textbook, fill out some paperwork. Um, and you know, we test, if you live on campus or come on campus at all, you're required to test uh, either twice a week if you're there every day or every week, or if you like me, I'm not going to be there every week. Um, like I'm going away to my grandmother's for the next two weeks on Tuesday, so I I'm not going to be around, so I don't have to test. I have to test 72 hours before I come on campus. You know, so. So that's like the testing policy. And basically, if you go to Hart, not Hart, uh, UMass, you have to, uh, you can only be on campus if you have classes in person. Yeah, I know. Oh, no. <clears throat> One second. I guess this is the point where the internet went out. Oh, are we back? Are we back? Are we back? Maybe. I hear signs of life. 
reconnected. Yeah. Uh, if you join, if you could join the meeting again. I'm, I'm here. I'm here, man. <laughs> Hooray! We did it. Oh my god! I am so sorry. It's okay. It's for, for those listening, I just lost my internet connection, which normally does not happen. Which it it happens like every once in a while, and I was hoping it would not happen today. Hey, things happen, man. Now, uh, what were we saying? Asked about the situation at UMass, so I, I think yeah. I think you cut out when I was saying that. Uh, uh, I think the last thing I clearly remember is you said you have to get tested seventy-two hours before you come on to campus. Oh yeah, and then like if you live on campus, you can only live on campus if you have a studio class, like either music or visual art. Um, yeah. you work in a in like one of the laboratories on campus for a class, or. Uh, I guess like if your home life isn't safe, I think those are like the yeah. only reasons you can live on campus. Yeah. So like there aren't very many people on campus to begin with. And even then most classes are online. Like all my classes as a jazz composition arranging major are online, including the big band, wow. which is really crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm taking a couple of classes in heart and I'm seeing stuff like, weird masks for oh like, no the zipper like i, I don't I'm, like i haven't seen them seen them up close i'm just thinking like all the all the instruments that require embouchure like how are you supposed to like i heard someone say the other day about like playing a flute but like it's just like the sides of the mask are just a bit more like flared out is like how is that supposed to? What kind of what kind of effort is that in making the masks? I mean, accessible for flutes. Wow, I have such a hard time with this idea of instrument masks because, like, let, let's start out. First of all, I'm a piano player, which which yeah. means I can wear my mask when I'm playing all the time. But like, yeah. all you have to do is like spray down the keys. <laughs> yeah, like like that's it. Although I've been using all my own keyboards and like. If anyone else wants to play my keyboard, I'm like, first of all, you got to go wash those hands. And then second of all, yeah. whether they know it or not, I'm wiping that down later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, um, I have such a problem with this mask thing just because, like, <clears throat> I get the sentiment. But at the same time, like, some of these ideas are just faulty. Like, like flute masks. Man, why are you going to wear a mask when you play the flute? Air, air and particles are any everywhere through that flute, anyways. Yeah, know? and um, have you have you seen any of the vocalist mask? Wait, the vocalists have a mask. They do. Oh my gosh, no! It's like okay, so it's a mask, okay. but then it's like it's like a tent. It's so that the end of the mask is like a few inches from their face, so they could like I guess feel the vibrations, the reverberations coming back to their mouth. What? 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 <laughs> Which I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. I I I have no words for this. This like makes no sense. <laughs> like my favorite, my favorite thing I've heard from Hart. So two of my best friends. One's a trumpet player. One's a bass sax player. Um, they're still at Hart. And uh, trumpet player, it's cool. She got a bell cover and uh, has one of the the masks. Apparently, it's got a zipper on it. Um, yeah, look, it looks, it, I've heard it does not look very flattering at all. Got some, some images of some unsavory things, but, uh, my buddy who plays Barry Sachs, he goes in, he has that, that weird mask with the zipper. Okay. 
the Barry saxophone has numerous openings where air can escape. That's how it, it's how it's a reed instrument. It's how it works. And they're like, here, have a bell cover. And and he told me this. I'm like, why? A bell cover is gonna do nothing. Air is coming out <laughs> from everywhere else. I'm like, man. <laughs> also, does that does, does having a bell cover like um affect the sound? Does it is it detrimental to the to the tone or something? Detrimental, no. But it's not ideal either. And like, I mean. I remember reading a study. It's not the only study, and I've heard con- conflicting things. So, like, this study might be thrown out the window now. But, you know, they, they had a study with brass instruments, at least, where they were, like, using, like, colored smoke or something to see where all the air comes out of. And it really doesn't go that far. I Again, like, I have to go double-check my research, but... You know, it's interesting. Like, I totally understand the sentiment of of people like wanting to like be as safe as possible, and I totally agree with it. I held a concert series in my driveway this summer, and like, I was like, I was like, man, we're all gonna like keep our distance from each other, but we're gonna get to play together. You know, but like, yeah, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings on this whole mask bill covers thing because I think a lot of it is either a pointless or b just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's um. Uh, it's um it's also weird that that um i'm t- as a as a jazz studies major at the at the heart school were you did you ever take sound technology i did are you taking it with kobe nelson I oh am. my gosh that's one of my fa- I, that was one of my favorite teachers at heart like outside of like my normal jazz teachers please tell them i say hello okay i, I totally will and um because um okay first of all uh, let me. I want to preface this with a story about like my trials and in, in trying to get into the class. Okay. So because I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to minor in music. That means I'm not enrolled in the heart school proper. Which means every time I want to register for music classes, I have to jump through like eight hoops. Yikes! And uh, I remember around the time. I was supposed to register for classes to like everyone got sent home and that's right. Yeah. And so I'm trying, so I have to like digitally run around the heart school and like find people to give me information so that I can know what to do to like get someone to sign off so I can register for sound technology. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it went through a whole thing of like, I try to contact the evaluator I don't hear anything. I contact the other evaluator <laughs> and then she talks to the other one and then they kind of chew me out. But then... What? It, <laughs> what do you mean they chew you out? <laughs> it was, like, because I, I understood... Well, I mean, I understood, like, it's weird because everyone's in quarantine and all that and, like, requests are going to be uh, processed slower. But I was like, I need... like. The, the the class cap is at ten, and so I was like, I really want to like get on this. It I'm gonna other people who are rolled into school don't have to do anything. They just put in the number and they register. I have to jump through like more way more hoops than they do. So I'm like, and so like they they chew me out about it. Like please be patient, etc. But then they don't give me anything. 
I, like I wait a few days. I'm like, nothing's happened. I guess I have to do this myself. So then like I go and talk to the department head of uh, the, I forget the name of the division, but uh, it's like. Is that music production technology? I mean, te- technically that. Oh, Marcus Thomas. Is that professor Marcus Thomas? Marcus, I was trying, I was trying to talk to Marcus Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the department is technically something else that includes like music production and like music business and all yeah. that, like contemporary studies or whatever it's called, uh, or, you know, something like that. I guess. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, I contact him, and he's like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll see, I'll, I'll see what I can do. A few days go by. Okay, I'm gonna talk to Kobe who teaches the course. I'm like, he, and he's like, I'm gonna see what I can do. I'm gonna go tar- talk to Marcus. <laughs> Oh man, Mar- I I've had Marcus for a, for a class this past spring. Marcus is a great guy, great teacher. But man, sometimes if you're looking for speedy uh, responses, he's not quite your guy. No, and so and then after like a couple of weeks of this running around back and forth trying to see who can help me, I just finally decided like I we. Um, I found like I had to bother Marcus again just to be like, "Hey, I have a digital form here. I have it all filled out. I'm guessing I just need like a a signature, digital or otherwise, on like the place here. And you're the department head. I think that's that's appropriate. And then he just eventually handed it off to Kobe. That's hilarious. And then he sent me a message and CC'd one of the evaluators. I'm like, okay, cool. A few days go by. Okay, I nothing happened. I, I guess I have to do this myself. So I email, I directly email Kobe. Like, here's the form. I would like um, an email from you explicitly approving it as the instructor. And then he sends it back to me. Okay, cool. Then I have the like, I have the form as a PDF. I attach. I I um I get a. a the page of the email as a PDF, I attach them together. I send it to my to my advisor to sign off on it, and I'm like, cool. And then, and then I look at the course listing. The class filled up. What? Wait, <laughs> uh, but but you're in the class. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: I'm actually in the class. Uh-huh. And, and and the thing is, so the this running around the heart school took so long that the class filled up as I sent in my 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 form to like be signed and sent to the, the Center for Student Success. Why am I not surprised? And and then like we had I had to get the associate dean of arts and sciences to like sign off on it because I was overloading. And then that didn't happen immediately. And then and my advisor was like had to send another email to make sure it got done. And it did. Okay. And because because I had direct permission from Kobe, the instructor, it it put it put me in as number eleven out of ten, and I got in the class. Oh, thank goodness! Because yeah, Co- Kobe is such a great teacher. I mean, I had him, but yeah, man, wow, that runaround that that sounds yeah. like that sounds like everyone at Hartford who wasn't me, because like <laughs> I got really lucky between um, AP courses I took in high school. And just my, you know what? I'm just going to do like everything I can while in uh, college that like for them, they're just like, all right, just go do your thing, I guess. And I was like, thanks. That's what I'm going to do anyways. Bye. 
so so you know it worked out luckily yeah and uh, this is this is all just a big wind up to talk about how because of the um covid measures covid precautions the sound technology course is not taking place in the recording studio okay which sucks because I really want to go in there and look at all the gear and shit. <laughs> but um, we're an F410, which is, I've been in that room before for like theory. Oh, wow. You guys are up there. That makes yeah. almost no sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, because, you know, it's a tight space. It's a recording studio. There's not going to be enough room to set, to keep people distanced. And um, that means we have to like, Im- like imagine we're, we're looking at a studio. <laughs> like, oh no. And so, and um, it's like so far I've had, uh, so far there's been two classes I've had with, uh, we've met twice, sound tech. The first week was like half an hour of, this is what the class is going to be. Okay, bye. And, uh, and then um, the last time we met a few days ago, uh, it was, um, tr- it was trying to, like play excerpts of music through these bad JBL speakers that are in every room. Oh yeah, they're not only are they bad, they've been blown out by either uh people who want to listen to music, people who just really want to just listen to everything at the highest volume possible, or all of us who just want to listen to recordings at a normal level. Or people who like connect their their system like their computers or whatever to it. And then it ends up being really loud at the start. They're like, okay, let's turn it up. Yep. Yep. That's it. Good old heart. Yeah. And so like you could barely, um, like trying to like, uh, at least play recording so you can like get the idea of like what stereo is. It's like, this is not cutting it. Yeah. Wow. That's super rough. And, um, it also means, uh, like people who are like have to record for their assignments, like for like jazz studies majors or whatever, they have to like be. Everyone's given a set of microphones that no one else will touch. In the, like, here's a case of microphones; they're yours for the semester, so that we're not exchanging a bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, I actually kind of like that. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, this is my microphone. I've used it for exactly two purposes: either something like this to talk into. Or I set it up as a like far away mic to run a live stream. That's about it. Right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. Man, that that's that's a drag. That that sound technology course is so great. I will say, as much fun as it is being in the studio, you don't necessarily need to be in the studio to learn half the things you learn. Like yeah. the biggest drawback is those speakers, those monitors that they have in the studio are so good. Yeah. That's the only drawback though. Yeah, like um, I mean, the reason I I wanted to take the class is because you know I've been getting into recording for the past like year, uh, especially because I started doing the podcast like uh, just about a year ago, and I wanted to um take the class so I can fill out my minor and also to learn more. Like I knew it wasn't like I already know quite a bit about it. And so it's not going to be, I know it's not going to be challenging for me and, you know, it's a win-win. I already know a lot, so I'm going to do well. And I'm, if there, if anything, I'm going to learn something I didn't know before. Yeah. I mean, that, 
that's great. It's just like it's just too bad that like you know you're not gonna get all the same bells and whistles you had like when I was there because like you know I I'm thinking of like the only things the only time we used any fun studio equipment was like uh talking about like different biking techniques. And then like Kobe would be like, someone go stand in that room and clap around the mics so you can hear what this like stereo setup sounds like. Um, you know, and like that's super cool. I will say outside of that, a lot of the stuff we talk about is like super like heady as in like you just kind of talk about it and like here's the concept and that's it. Yeah, a lot of um, it seemed uh, from in my experience, a lot of the concepts in that goes into recording and production there are they're kind of like what what do you mean what is that like it took me the longest time to figure out how a compressor works yeah that it's like you'll do in like one section of this class if any of your listeners take this wonderful class kobe nelson's uh was that <laughs> introduction to like recording technology or something Sound technology sound one. Sound technology one, which if you're if you're not a music production technology major, take it. It's a great class. Learn all about sound and recording sound. Um but like you talk about like the whole compressors and um delay effects and all like all these different things to to adjust like the timing and frequency and all the different parts of like the uh the the just all the parts of the sound that you can adjust and mess with like you just do a whole section on it it's so great because he explains it so well yeah and um i uh from the class i just from the session i had just a few days ago he assigned um did he ever assign this to you um like he he laid out the whole his theory about like what what kind what makes a the different types of recordings. He has like a spectrum of recording aesthetics. Yeah. On one side, you have recreative and the other side creative and then stuff in the middle. Yeah. I was just talking to my mom about that today, actually. (laughs) Did he ever assign you to um, like everyone picks like three record, finds three recordings that you'd think one is in on one end on another end and one down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that really well. Do you remember like what tracks you chose? I remember, I know I remember one of them because I was I was showing my mom one of these tracks. So around this time last year, that that movie Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen about Queen came out. You know, yeah. And so my mom was a really avid Queen fan, and I was like, you know, I've never really like sat and checked out Queen that much. So really, yeah. So so my mom was like well um you know oh sorry so i went to see the movie and then afterwards like my mom was telling me about these queen records she used to have like when was this uh like when she was in high school or college in the 80s she had like the original like a night at the opera and like mm-hmm. single of we will rock you and uh is that bohemian rhapsody on the other no we are the champions was on the other side yeah. Um, and so, so she, she showed me that and, or talked about that to me. She didn't, her, her brother actually threw out the actual records. Ooh. <laughs> um, and so 
you know, I decided at that point in time, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like listen to this and uh, understand what's going on and like take a listen to this. So uh, I was super about, <clears throat> sorry, I was super about the song Night at the Opera and there's a track on there called The Prophet's Song, which is is a great record. Highly recommend check out the whole record, especially that song. And like, you know, that one was my recreative song because at the beginning you hear like the wind and like, like wind chimes, like stuff that you can't hear, like in a recreative setting. And, you know, you hear like the acoustic song as the same level as like an electric guitar, which is amplified. And the biggest kicker is in the middle of the song, the entire band drops off except for Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury has his voice layered on top of itself again and again, Mm -hmm. creating all these cascades of like uh, just all the notes he picks, puts them on like these big chords that sound really pretty and on top of each other. Something that you like can't recreate in a live setting. And then like some stereo panning too. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I did um, my In the Middle with a yeah. Brad Mildow track called The Garden. Okay, which one? It's called The Garden. And so... What, what, what record is that off of? Uh, Finding Gabriel. It's his most recent record. Oh. Yeah, he, he does that whole like monologue against Trump. Love it. So great. Um, <laughs> man, yeah. Brad Mildow is incredible. And he did, he did he made that album political in a very subtle way and it was awesome um but yeah like that that tune is like he plays both piano and synthesizer and has all these voices that come in and he's got trumpet and saxophone that come in with effects so it was like a mixture of both you could definitely recreate it to an extent but there's certain things that you could keep in there you know um and then my my recreative tune was a, a tune I was talking about in my uh, class with Steve Davis, uh, Hard Bop Seminar. It's called Split Kick by Art Blakey. And of course, it's it's a live record at the Cafe Bohemia, I think. See the Cafe Bohemia Birdland um, with the Jazz Messengers in like the 1950s. So that's what I did. Cool. So have you sent any, any yet or is, is this like coming up? I, I submit. I... um. I submitted my my tracks for it for that assignment, and um, so on the creative end of the spectrum, I chose "Tomorrow Never Knows" by the Beatles. Okay, which of course you know that's that that was you know the, around the time when they were like they said fuck touring, and decided to like just like go into the studio and make crazy shit. Right, so because like you got the. Uh, there's a recording, there's a clip of Paul McCartney laughing that's sped up to sound like a seagull. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I love this so much already. You know, I have to understand, like, I, I like the Beatles, but I haven't listened to them a lot, especially, like, their earlier stuff, because, like, I have this, like, aversion to popular things. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so, anyway. Andrew, you goddamn hipster. <laughs> man. Nah, I'm not. I'm not any of those. I'm like other. I'm just like all the way over. Like there's miscellaneous. I'm just like watching from like my little hill, being like, man, what you guys all talking about? <laughs> but are you familiar with Tomorrow Never Knows though? I'm actually not. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, okay. So 
it's no, it's a great track. It's um, it's the last track off of um, Revolver, uh, the Beatles album Revolver from 1966. Okay, and funny enough, it was like the first song recorded for the record, and then there are other songs that just sound like regular songs, like Taxman, yeah, yeah. like um, Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine, or Eleanor um, Rigby, Eleanor Rigby and, and um, like here, there, and everywhere, and. Like tomorrow, with the, tomorrow never knows. John Lennon like said to the engineer, "Like I want this to sound like a bunch of Tibet, Tibetan monks singing, or something like that." And wow, like they they had like everyone make like weird tape loops, including like George Harrison playing a sitar, but like it's heavily saturated and sped up. Okay, okay, and Ringo is playing this drum beat that it's in four, but like, it's just a weird ass drum beat that, that like, it's not a traditional drum beat. Oh, Ringo. Oh, Ringo. It's like, something like that. And there's like, um, and of course that was around the time they were like, let's, uh, let's reverse this, um, guitar solo and stuff like that. And also it's, it's also like a raga rock kind of thing. It, it's um an Indian influenced raga thing. Okay. So it's just a C five drone, and then the only thing that defines the tonality is John Lennon's melody. Okay. And then sometimes there's an orchestral hit that plays a B flat chord, so it implies C mixolydian. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a weird ass track. And uh, that's what I so that's what I tro- chose for my creative on the creative end. Okay, down the middle, I chose um, the song "1979" by the Smashing Pumpkins. Yo, nice! Because like when you when you listen to it, for the most part, it is like the, a rock band playing a song, right? Yeah. But like, if you listen a bit more closely, there's the the, uh, the drum part played by Jimmy Chamberlain on that song. Mm-hmm. It is played live. It's him playing it. But it's only like a a like a bar's worth of drum yeah. that they that they took and then they made it into a drum loop. Oh, sweet! And also, and then of course the um like that weird clip of Billy Corgan's vocal that like like yeah. that has like some echo and tremolo on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's kind of like the hook of the song, aside from the uh, guitar part that everyone thinks like yeah, I love I love that part, the part where he goes. Yeah. So I that's the one that's down the middle, and um, on the recreative side, I chose a song called uh, "Disco Ulysses" by this band called Wolfpack. Oh, yep, I know, I know a little bit about Wolfpack. Yeah, this is um, this is a song off their um, their previous studio album called Hill Climber from 2018, okay. and um, of course, if uh, if you if anyone is familiar with Wolfpack's YouTube channel, all you'll see videos from um, of every like every track from each album. Mm-hmm. They cut every song from their albums like you know live with everyone playing in the same room and like monitoring through like actual speakers. They don't use headphones. Yeah, and that one that one, that particular one, I really I really like it. It's real funky, and the it's also like um. They they make weird videos sometimes, like um, on the for the song Corey Wong. If you've seen it, 
I'm trying to remember. I've seen a few. I've seen a lot of the Fearless Flyers videos because Nate Smith is the drummer on that. Yeah. Nate Smith, man, yeah. he's like beyond the real deal. He's like, <laughs> gonna, like everyone's like, he's going to be a legend and they're absolutely right, I think. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the um the videos from the, from the latest Fearless Flyers record called Tailwinds? I've seen a couple of them. It's uh, from, I've seen a bunch of them and it's, it's fucking good. It's, it's great. Yeah. Cause actually it's got like, it's got Grace Kelly on there and man. Oh yeah. I have such mixed feelings on Grace Kelly. Like I actually played a gig with her once. Like when I really, I, okay. Back up. I can't necessarily say it's a gig with her. It was a gig that she happened to be on, you know? Like, oh, and I don't talk about it very much just because I'm like, it was really weird. We we're in this like big hall playing this big band and like, she didn't talk to anyone really. And I was like, oh, man, that's like super cool. You do your thing, but like do your thing, I guess, you know? I mean, I've, I've like, I've, um, the way, the, um, the reason I know about Grace Kelly, which, uh, for listeners, this is not Grace Kelly, the actress who is, I believe has passed away, but saxophone player. it's a, it's a saxophone player, um, who's like in the, New York kind of jazz scene. Yeah. And if you guys listening, no disrespect, just like that's not it, it's, I happen to like her because the, the way I found out about her is like I follow, I'm a fan of Anna, Adam Neely, the uh, music theory Adam YouTuber Neely. bassist per- person. And he played a gig with her um, that, that he made a gig vlog about and called We Ended on a Really Long 5-7 Chord. Oh, really? Yeah. And the like I and of course I watched the video. I'm like, man, she's cool. This is um like she she arranged all the tunes or something, and she like plays like a monster. And when I when I um am like over the I think for the for a period of a few months, like the way um the people at Wolf Records um work is they like release a track a week when they have an album come out until the, the like all of them are out, right? Sure. Yeah. And I'm looking like, oh, Fearless Flyers. Um, yeah, they do stuff. I'm watching them. And then, like, I see, oh, they have a bunch of saxophonists. And then I see, oh, that's Grace Kelly. And they're recording at Sound City in Van Nuys. All right, all right. And, like, um, they even, they, for, the, uh, for, the most recent, for the most recent Fearless Flyers record called Tailwinds, they even um, they did a cover of uh, Benny and the Jets by Elton John. Yeah. But it's instrumental, and also it's renamed Kenny and the Jets because one of the saxophonists is named Ken. Yeah, I actually saw that one. I was like, "Oh man, this is this is really interesting." <laughs> yeah, and uh, the uh, so oh, and so back when I was saying about how uh, Wolfpack Connor makes some weird videos sometimes, and like weird uh, lyric animations, uh, like. Paper, paper mache animals and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like um, on a song, Corey Wong, which is um, the last track off their 2016 album, The Beautiful Game. They, they have, it, scroll, it, it scrolls, uh, overlaid on top of the video is like a screenplay that just scrolls through that just, t- that describes what, what's in the video. Mm. And for this, um, it, in, a, in a similar vein, um, the video for Disco Ulysses is a fake musical written kind of like a screenplay that's uh, or just as like a a, uh, a a like a musical script 
of call, called Disco Ulysses, which is like a funky version of the Odyssey. Wait, like like the Odyssey, like the Iliad and the Odyssey? Yeah. What? That's crazy. I like that. Yeah, because because um the the name Ulysses is like a romanization of Odysseus. Wow. The more you know, I like that. And like it 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 does describe like musical numbers throughout this text that's scrolling through and like but they're like fake songs because they're they're not they're not actually real. They're just test text that's scrolling through as as they play the song in the video. Oh wow, nice. That's pretty sick. I love it when I love it when like like as a musician, I love it when other musicians make music that like references or cites other works of art, whether it be other music, like actual art, poetry, uh, works of literature. Like, yeah, I was, I was talking about, you know, a, a group I got into during quarantine and I'm sure everybody is going to like write like zero stars in the comments for this, but like I never did a <laughs> tribe called quest until a word until like mark until i told you about them you it was it was a mixture of you telling me about them and my buddy uh my buddy who's a berry player was stuck with me for like three months in quarantine so so my buddy his name is tom mudge shout out to tom mudge if he's here and uh he's a great berry player um and he goes to heart school and he's one of my great friends and he was stuck with me for like two or three months in quarantine. And like, we hung out every day. And like, I remember one day we're doing this puzzle. Cause I'm like, I'm like, Tom, let's do some puzzles. And like, I would like pull pieces out of the box and place them on the puzzle. And he just rage quit. He'd be so done. <laughs> Anyways, like in one of these sessions, he's like, man, like check out this try call quest thing. Since you've, you're supposed to listen to him anyways. And, and so he shows me low end theory. And yeah. He, he shows me, a couple tracks and eventually we get to we've got the jazz and mm-hmm. like i was like oh all right, this is cool i guess but then i'm listening to the bass line and it's just like doom, ding 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 dum, ding 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 dum. and it's like it's the bass line from a miles davis record from 1959 it was the same recording session that came out with kind of blue and they play on green dolphin street and that's the bass line and that's the baseline yeah. to the We've Got the Jazz song. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. Yeah. And like that got me into that. And then like, you know, I got really into I've been really into like bands like Rush is one of my favorite bands of all time. And you know, Ayn, Ayn Rand is a huge influence on Neil Peart's lyric writing. And, Ayn Rand? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The the objectivist philosopher. The 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 very controversial philosopher slash the lady the- who wrote yeah. the fountainhead yeah. and atlas shrugged yeah that that that's who we're talking about <laughs> that's right but yeah like 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 neil was like reading like the fountainhead and atlas shrugged and like coming up with all these tunes like 2112 and the necromancer all these like 20 minute songs that like are huge storytellers you know and like i always thought that was so cool or like um, the great Rufus Reed has this album about um, the artwork. I think the artist is a sculptor, and I believe her name's Elizabeth Catlett. Yeah, Elizabeth Catlett. She's a she's an American and Mexican sculptor, and like man, her art is awesome. And he he wrote music to that. And you know, I just think that's so killing. Like when 
uh, musicians are able to try to capture other people's artistry, whether it means borrowing something, completely referencing something, or having that as just inspiration somewhere up in our own like mental clouds. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, so there's this Wolfpack song called Dean town. If you oh, like it. teen town. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a reference to uh, teen town, uh, the song by the weather report, uh, with, with Jacob Astorius on yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like one of their biggest hits, but it's like instrumental and a bass feature. I mean, like how, what else are you going to do for Jaco? He got, he got to do it. And it's sick. And like uh, the the bassist for Wolfpack, his name is Joe Dart. And it's just like, like I, um, they, they played a concert at Madison square garden. And first, first of all, they sold out Madison square garden without a label, without a manager. That's right. Independent musicians. That's what we need more of. And it's like the weirdest thing. They're near the end of, they're near the end of their set. They're, they're like, next stop, Dean Town. And then they start playing it. And then you hear 14,000 people at Madison Square Garden singing along to a bass riff. I mean, that's what's up. Have you ever, you know, that, that makes you think of, uh, there's this great Rush record. It's a live record from like 2000 something. And uh, the record's called Rush and Rio. And when Rush plays YYZ, you're just listening in the background and you just hear the whole crowd singing the melody. This is an instrumental, no lyrics. And they're like screaming at the top of their lungs. I mean, I, I think there's almost nothing cooler than that. And um, they, oh, there's also, uh, they, um, it seems like Wolfpack, this band, they are so prolific. They've released like a record of years since 2011. They, at first, they put out um, EPs from 2011 to 2014. Mm-hmm. And then they put out their first full-length record in 2015. And then every year since then, they put out a studio record, except for 2019, because they put out the live a live album, which is the recording of their Madison Square Garden concert. Oh, sick. But now um, they're working on a new record for 2020. Uh, it's called, it's going to be called The Joy of Music, The Job of Real Estate. And wow. if you, if you know, if anyone knows anything about Wolfpack, you know that Jack Stratton, the drummer and um, uh, main person who mixes the records, he's like weird. He's just weird. And he just says stuff that's like, what is he talking about? Man, I love already. And, and like <laughs> the uh, like at the start of their Madison Square Garden concert, you you see him like he's lying on the ground with his arm. He's propping himself up with his arms, and he's dragging his legs ar- across the stage. <laughs> wow! And um, he put out not that long ago. He put out a video on the Wolfpack YouTube channel. Uh, he's like, I did a bad thing. I did, I did a real bad thing. And he just starts saying like something, something. I inve- I invested too much in like weird, in weird uh, comp- uh, stocks and stuff that, that like they sound like real stocks, but they're actually like um, him mashing up property names together. <laughs> so that you, like it sounds like a joke. And he, he's like, I we're out of money. 
we're we are selling a spot on the new Wolfpack album. Yeah. There's like track 10 on the new Wolfpack album is going to go to whoever bids the highest on this eBay auction. That is so out, but I also love that so much just because I love out things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man, that's interesting. So like, I understand, I don't know a whole lot about Wolfpack just because like they've never like, like, like I've checked out a few things and I've been like, man, like this is really cool. But like at the same time, I just haven't like sat down and listened to them that much. But like, you know, Man, I have so much respect for them for just being an independent like artist. Yeah. Because like, like I'll say this much: I feel like more and more um, artists are becoming more and more independent. Like, uh, you know, great example of a Hartford jazz musician who's nailing it is Jonathan Barber. Like, he's an independent artist. He's about to release a new record. It's on Bandcamp. Go check it out. Jonathan Barber Envision Ahead live at the Jazz Standard. It's awesome. Cool. Um. But yeah, like, man, like he he's nailing it. He controls everything that goes out and is part of his artistic vision. And man, anytime I see any artist or band do that, I have the utmost respect for them. It it doesn't matter if I like their music or not. I have so much respect because I know it's a lot of work. Like for those of you who are whether you're musicians or not, like it's so much work to be an independent artist. Like, I mean, at this point in time, I'm an independent artist myself, but like, you know, there's not a lot to do in COVID. Although that's also not true either. Cause there's also everything to do during COVID. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, all these guys are like, they book their own shows. Um, they produce their own records. They release their own records. They, they do everything. And that's so hard. And like, if we had more independent artists, I think a musicians would be able to make more of a living and B, uh, you know, things like people like Spotify, man, Spotify wouldn't be able to say you need to be releasing like an album every three to four months. I mean, that's complete. That's so wrong on so many levels. Yeah. Do you, um, do you think, um, forgive me if I, for, if I, for not knowing this, but I, do you have any records out? I actually don't. I think you asked me last time and I was actually about to try to record something in like April or May and then everything shut down. So yeah. basically my plan is I'm going to wait till the time is right. You know, um, I'm not going to. So, so you do, you do intend to like make a record, release it. Oh, I do. And do you think it you're going to like do, take care of all the logistics, jump through all the hoops to like, be the kind of independent artist that like does everything for themselves. I really want to be that. I will say there is like a second option, which is like, so, so I've been working at slash um, being a part of this great record label in Connecticut known as truth revolution records. So when you're part of the label, like they don't control much, they don't get your masters. They just like help you distribute it. You just kind of, you have to pay them to help with that. But like, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty hands off. Um, and so like the only thing I've thought about maybe is approaching them since like, um, Sakai Curtis, who runs the label is, is a very close friend and mentor of mine. Word. He, wait, he runs the label. Yeah. Sakai Curtis. Yeah, Sakai Curtis. That's my man word. So, but, but like, it's something I've thought about, but at the same time I've been like, you know, I think doing it on my own would be great. So I don't know We're we're, we're just going to see, I really would like to do it all on my own just because, 
I think it would take a lot of work and it would be super great. Yeah. Have you, have you been recording in during lockdown? Um, a little bit here or there. I've been doing this, like truth revolution records is actually putting out a record of American classical music is what we're calling it. And it's like, uh, we're taking like songs written by like Chopin and a lot of classical musicians. And we are turning them into like, tunes to be played by jazz musicians so it's like like you'll hear glimpses of the song but it may not necessarily sound like the song itself okay um so that's super sick um and uh oh man i'm losing my train of thought here and um so i've been doing some tracking for that on piano and keyboard um because i'm on a couple of tracks of that and basically everybody contributes a few tracks and plays on a few tracks cool. um so like that's been the most of my recording. I'm currently working on a uh I'm trying to record some of the pieces I've been writing. So like I'm I'm like making tracks for that. But besides that, that that's about it. You know, I'm I'm not doing any like any of the recording I really want to do in the sense of like um like recording in a live session. Cuz like the like re- recording um like recording jazz is so hard over a distance. Yeah. Cause like it can be done, but it's just so hard because you don't have any like the spontaneity that you would have in the studio and yeah. the feeding off each other's energy, feeding off each other's ideas, you know? So yeah, it's, 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 it's live music. That's supposed to be like, you're supposed to feel each other playing. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, uh, one of my, uh, big, uh, philosophies as a musician is uh to like have the music to be as organic as possible and and that means like having everybody there feeding off each other contributing anything letting things go crazy uh you know maybe it means like someone drops out or someone like or let, let's say we all abandon the form like i love that yeah. like like man like <laughs> taking the spirit of the moment and going with it yeah so you know like that's why I, that kind of thing just can't happen remotely. Exactly. And, and it's a drag, but like it's, we'll get through it. And, and you know, when we get through it, we'll have all of this experience that we have done to build off of. Yeah. You know, so like it's, it's going to be so great when, we're, when, it, when everything is all said and done, we'll be able to be like, man, we used COVID to get better. And we all bonded over the fact that like we were stuck in this time. I mean, a lot of my buddies and I are doing uh, – oh, shoot. Losing my train of thought again. Oh, like like we've been doing listening sessions together. And we'll just like get online, listen to some music, talk about the frustrations of not being able to gig or not being able to um, play together. Yeah. And, you know, by bonding, bonding over all that, like, you know, we've reached a new level in a lot of our different friendships and relationships with each other, you know. So, well, that's cool. I, um, do you, when you, um, when you have, so you have the idea of making a record soon. Yeah. Um, soon or like when, like soonish, soonish, no? like hopefully within the next couple of years. And are you thinking about like making it like a real, like you do all the things like you, 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 you write all the things you record it, you mix it and, and stuff like that. 
Um, not necessarily that. I mean, I'd love to be able to say that, but no, like my, my whole goal is to, uh, you know, I'm going to do all the organizing. I'm going to, I'm going to book the studio. We're going to go in. I'm going to contract out the, the mixing and mastering to someone, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be like in charge of everything, but I am going to delegate the things I know I can't do because like, like, you know, as much as we all want to do our, like most people I know don't do everything themselves. Cause like, I mean, as much as I'd love to know things about mixing, I've had to spend too many times learning about how the piano works, how, the, how that machine that sometimes drives me crazy works. And so, you know, um, because of that, I don't know as much about playing, uh, not playing, about mixing and mastering. Yeah, it's like um, <clears throat> I remember um, similar to your frustrations, like trying to learn guitar. Like I'm still learning guitar. Yeah. And to get to this point took like half a lifetime yeah and it's going to take an entire lifetime just to like feel comfortable definitely playing guitar feeling like i know what i'm doing right and then you know the idea of recording it's a whole nother beast that is like counterintuitive if you know what i mean oh man i totally know like i was talking with somebody about like this is a this is like a life a lifelong journey to get better and better and like you know, it's it's not going to happen in a day, and it's going to be frustrating. But you know, it's worth it. Just keep going. Yeah, and um, like I said before, like it took me forever to learn, like what a like how a compressor works. Oh, because when like anyone who knows who who like uh, produces music will know like a com- the controls on a compressor make no sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like like a lot of like audio tech doesn't make the most sense ever. No, not really. Yeah. It's just like um, it, a lot of it, like once you understand how it works, you're like, okay, this makes sense now, but this is super convoluted how you had to explain it. Yeah. And like you have, I think the way, the way I try to understand it is because like when people think about recording music, it's like, oh, you just like, you put microphones near the things, you hit record and then it's done, right? Ha ha ha! No, and and the way I think about it is like, okay, yes, use microphones to capture sound, but those microphones all have a certain frequency response. They capture a a certain um, range of frequencies, right? Yep. But when you have like a full arrangement of different instruments, like vocals, guitar, bass, drums, maybe keyboard you have to be able to like make them mesh together and the amount each microphone or each, just each signal of each instrument, the just leaving them be is not going to sound good because they all have, they all captured a certain range of frequencies and it's not just smashing them together without doing anything. is not going to sound good. Yeah. And I mean, that's another reason like I've been thinking about doing a, like another reason why I wouldn't necessarily do all the recording myself is because man to have to have like that range of microphones like this is my only microphone i own like like to have everything recorded myself is oof that would not be great (laughs) (laughs) and plus if i'm gonna record i'm gonna record on a real piano and like you know you can't necessarily see it but my room in here with my piano in it 
I could probably fit a drum set and a bass player comfortably, but for my full band, ye, good luck. <laughs> uh, this is my roundabout way of telling you that I'm actually working on a record right now. Oh yeah, get it. What you do? What you putting on it? It's um, it's not like okay. So it's an album of ambient music. All right, cool, cool, cool. Are are you like recording the guitar parts? Or are you like like putting together some like sound patches? What you what you doing on it? The idea behind it is okay. So the title of the record is going to be Ambient One Colon Guitar, and the idea behind it is that every sound you hear is a guitar a guitar part. Oh, that's but like it's all going to be manipulated to sound weird and like maybe not. You may you might not recognize it as a guitar, and it's going to be like a ambient soundscape. Man, that's pretty sick. Actually, I really like the idea of that. You know, man, nice. And uh, I think the reason I um, because I think the reason I wanted to do this is because over the summer, like I got a bunch of gear, including this interface I'm talking to you through right now, and like monitors, that bass guitar. Uh, these amplifiers down here and because I, I was like I really want to make a record this summer but then I was like I've written like two songs yeah and and I'm but also like when I'm when I think about making a record it's like I'm gonna make it there's like it's gonna be me writing songs like recording them and like mm-hmm. some of them will be like song songs that have vocal but I'm not comfortable as a vocalist yeah yeah, yeah. and so I I was like uh, and also, like, lockdown and, like, just had me feeling, like, not great. I'm like, oh, well, this isn't the time to be, try to write songs or to, like, try to uh, get better as a vocalist. So even though I probably sh- I probably could have used the time to do that. But I was like, I don't even, then I realized, I don't, okay, I don't want my first record to be, like, an album of songs. Okay. And I want something that sounds easier than, like, writing songs and then recording them Interesting. or easier in a way you know and like i figured okay let's make it instrumental and then i'm like i'm really interested in ambient music let's make it an instrumental ambient album but i also wanted it to like have a coherent theme or like something um something that like it all like related around yeah and i thought um i also didn't I also like wanted to have the record write itself, if you know what I mean. I so, so I was like, I'm gonna put as many limitations on myself as possible. So at first I was like, this is gonna be ambient record. That's limitation one. Then like, it's only gonna be guitar, and I'm only gonna record it DI, and I'm only gonna record using my Telecaster. There. That's interesting. Like, man. That, that that's really interesting like like the thought process you're going through that i mean i i like the idea of doing like that ambient record like with with just like you know just your stratocaster but yeah man like like do whatever is your artistic vision like you know the reason i haven't recorded an album yet and like people have been asking me to, about if i've had an album for like four or five years now you know ever since high school and i like <laughs> like in all honesty like the time just hasn't been right for a lot of reasons and like getting closer it's getting closer the time is you know the time is pretty right now in terms of like the, my development as an artist has reached a point where i can like put something out you know it may not be like the most perfect thing yet but 
I could put it out and be like, okay, this is a good vision of like my artistic self. And I know that over time I'll get better and better. And, or at least I hope I'll get better and better and yeah. I'll have more and more things to say. But, you know, my whole goal when I put out something is I want to put out something like quality, something that that I'll be proud of and that people will enjoy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, man. But yeah, man, best of luck on that album. That sounds pretty sick, dude. Yeah, I hope to release it like soonish. Um, like I've already got like our work made and all that. And I think I've got most of the tracks recorded that I want. Oh, that's great. So, and um, also part of this was also because um, so I enrolled at, to fulfill my minor. I enrolled in an ear tra- an ear training course. Oh, ear training! Who are you with? I was with Virag. Oh, which Virag? I love both of them so much. The Hungarian one? They're both Hungarian. No, no, no. <laughs> husband and wife duo. There's Gabor. Oh, the wife. Catalina. The wife. Oh, Catalina is so great. Me and my buddy used to mess with her all the time. We came back from like first semester into second semester and I bought like those noisemaker blowers and as she walked in the class, we all blew them all. We're like, surprise. And she's like, what the heck was that? It was one of my (laughs) moments of freshman year. Now, notice my choice of words. I said I was was with Varag. I did hear that. I, so here's a story. I tried to take a near training course the summer before last. Okay, through Hartford or through something else? At the University of Hartford. Okay. And because I, I thought, oh, I'm not doing anything in the summer. I'm going to knock out a near training course. Okay. But I was at Roush. Oh, Roush is so. Wow. He is. He's just so hard on everyone. Like, yeah. And, and like, I just think it's to a point that's that if you're not like if you're if you're not like super desperate to know about your training, I think it's absurd. Yeah. And not only was I with Roush, but it was a summer session, so it only lasted like six weeks. Okay. Meeting for a couple of hours per session three times a week. Oh no. Which means it was accelerated. Yep. And there were two other students in the class who were vocalists. That I already see where this is going. Yeah. And so I couldn't match pitch half the time. And like, if anything, because I'm so, I was so like up until then I had, I have no formal training in music. Even now, even though I've taken like theory courses and courses in guitar at the university, I would say I still don't have enough formal training for it to matter. Yeah. Right. And so if anything, I was just going to slow them down. So I ended up dropping the course. Yikes. Especially because, like, I misunderstood the first assignment. Mm-hmm. Because the the thing he wanted us to do was, like, do this eight-bar thing, sing it, do the hand signs. Yep. But have the hand signs be one bar behind what you're singing. Oh, that's so tricky. And so I, like, first of all, I didn't understand. I thought that was the extra credit bit. Or, actually, I think... I th- I think the assignment was have it one beat behind and the extra credit was do one bar behind. Wow. And like, this is hard for me. So I was like, I'm doing this straight and it's really hard. And then I come into class. I'm like, I tried to practice this. I couldn't. And this is really fucking hard. I got like half of it. And he's like, the assignment was actually the one beat behind. I'm like, 
And he's like, do you want to try it? I'm like, I practice it straight and I still can't get it. I would, I'd rather not embarrass myself or you. Yeah. And so I didn't know. Damn. Cause like, you know, I, I know a lot of people really like Roush and like, I've heard he's a, a great teacher if that's what you're looking for. But like, the thing is, I, I sometimes think that like, like instead of like looking at people's different interest levels and ability levels, like there are times I'm like, like there are times I've heard your horror stories where I'm like, man, like why can't you just let these people like just get what they want out of this class instead of like going all the way to this, like hand signing one beat behind. I never did that in any of my ear training classes and I really? don't think I'm any worse off for it. Yeah. I mean, who did you have? I had Virag. I loved her so much. And like, the thing is like, so for me, for ear training, ear training was kind of a secondary thing. You know, I remember <laughs> this is going to sound so bad. Um, me and one of my buddies both had very good ears to the point where we would come in five minutes before class started, ask somebody what was the homework, learn it, and then do it better than the rest of the class almost. <laughs> like next. <laughs> like that's that's what we did because like, like I never really felt the need to, to like, uh, to practice for ear training personally, but like it's because I'd been doing a lot of that stuff for years. Really? Yeah. Like, like, you know, you can catch me in the halls a lot of times. I'll start whistling tunes, but then I'll whistle them in different keys. And like, I, I also have really good relative pitch, which means, um, if if you can, if you can sing a note, I can't tell you what that note is, but I can find C from there typically um so when it comes to like doing like the ear training work that for me that was easy but i know a not everybody has that easy of a time with it so like a lot of people that i end up getting paired with would sometimes have trouble with it and like you know rather than like um like kind of go in my own lane and like be like oh well i can do it why can't you it was like man like let's 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 get together let's figure this out you know so like man i'm sorry to hear that like that's that was your ear training experience yeah, and I'll well, uh, that's the first half. Oh, now so, so that was summer before before last, right? Yep. I thought I was going to complete it over the summer. Then I'm like, this is really hard. I'm going to slow everyone down. I'm going to drop this, and I couldn't enroll in the next fall for the level one year training because I was already at like 20 credits to register for that for the coming fall semester. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not going to happen, and I figured, well, I'll do it. I try to do it. I'll try to do it next next year because I'll have that much more time that I've been like playing and like subconsciously working on my ear, right? Yeah. And and then that year came and went and I registered for elementary ear training level one for this semester. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see what we, and I'm going to see what I can do. And I, I kind of, I felt like, I think my ear is definitely I think it's 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 getting there. Yep. And when I in when I had the, the first few sessions of the class, I'm like, yeah, I actually am. Yeah, my ear is definitely better than it was a year and change ago. Mm-hmm. But then, um, like this past Wednesday, yeah, yeah. Um, I was in class. There was only one other kid in there at the moment. Uh, there's also there's supposed to be someone else, but he wasn't there that day. And he's like a freshman cello performance major. Okay, I don't know. And current freshman. Yeah, and I mean, so and 
So I'm like, um, okay. And then I'm like, I nailed the assignment. I'm able to be, be in pitch. It was the, um, uh, that's that same line of music from Roush's class before doing it straight. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, I did it. And then Virag, she was like, okay, we're going to do hand sign of our behind. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. But then I do it like pretty, pretty well. Nice. Even though I was really like uncomfortable thinking like, oh, this is uh, like, oh, okay. Uh, wow. I'm totally, I'm like, yeah. And then like even she told us to do a rhythm cannon. So you tap out the, the, the rhythm of, of the, of the piece of music, but a bar behind. Yeah. I'm like, um, okay. And then we did it. I'm like, and I, I did it pretty well. I'm like, okay, we're getting there. But then I was, I was, impre- I was impressing myself in the class in the moment. Okay. And then we move on. We, we look at like a Blackbird folk song or whatever it's called. Okay. In the Bassinia Hungarica. I, it, this is like four years ago yeah. for me. Yeah. I barely remember. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. But that, and the thing is, I think the reason why I did so well on the other thing was because it was in D. I had like seen it the year before. And like, I locked in on what F sharp sounds like. But then that, like, literally, it was me by rote associating the word me, the, the syllable me, with the note F sharp and how it sounds. Okay. Right? It wasn't actually ear training. It was just me doing it by rote, like, associating syllable pitch. Right? But, like, but like at the same time, that is ear training in a way. It's just a yeah. sense of it. Like, because, like, the next thing we worked on was an F. I'm like, okay, find a dough. That, and, like, I just couldn't, I just kind of could not do it. Like, the thing was easy, the thing before was easy because it was in D and I was working on it a lot. And I was like, now it's an F and I really, it's like, I, and I still can't really match pitch all that well. And then I ended up dropping the class. Oh, man. That, because I figured, because like the entire the entire plan was like I'm gonna see where my ear is to see if it's see if it's ready, and I just ultimately decided I, I guess it's not I'm not ready yet. Oh man, but like, man, you're sounding like it sounds like things were going better. I mean, it, yeah, def- like it was, my ear was definitely better, but I didn't wouldn't say it was good yet. Yeah, like man, that 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 sounds great. I mean, just like progress is slow. I as I I, I mean. That, that's something I got to say, like progress is slow and like, you know, sometimes like things happen and, uh, yeah, like, man, it sounds like you made great progress, but, but like that, like that moment in class just deterred you, but man, I wouldn't worry about that. Like you're, you're in there to get better. You're not in there to be perfect. <laughs> like, man, you have to understand, like I talked to so many, like so many of my peers that are younger than me about like getting frustrated about things and like, why am I not perfect while I'm at school? And I'm like, you're not supposed to be. That's why you go to school. <laughs> you go to school to get better and learn the things you don't know, you know? So, so yeah, man. But I'm, I'm glad that it sounds like you were getting better. Yeah. I, um, I've got one more year left, one more fall semester where I can take it. Okay. And I even like got, I independently got like a digital ear training program. Oh, cool. What you got? Um, the Beato ear training method. I know absolutely nothing about that. 
there's this guy in YouTube. Um, his name is Rick Beato. He's like a middle-aged record producer, jazz guitarist person. And um, part of how he makes his living, because he stopped producing music, is he sells this ear training program. Oh, I found it. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to use that in the meantime to, wow. to better my, my ear. They got a lot of stuff here: pitch, intervals, triads, modal voicings. Whoa, this is crazy stuff. Like, I mean, man, I I'll say this much: one of my one of the things I uh, crap 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 losing my train of thought. Oh man, like something you should totally check out if you get the chance though is just like find like songs that like relate to it. Cause like something I learned is like, I learned a lot of my basic progressions by listening to songs that have them or like scales or patterns. Like, man, the reason I even know what an octave is, is from the tune blue bossa. (laughs) Bossa is like, um, so that's G and I know that's a G and then that becomes my like pivot note. Since I know that's a G, I can go find all my other notes. Yeah. I also, um, I heard about I've heard about people using like popular songs for the the interval reference, like say uh, the the first two notes of Hey Jude or a descending minor third, and like the uh, the ba ba like that wasn't a fifth, but the 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 first two notes of the main title theme from Star Wars is a is a perfect fifth, and and stuff like that, but like yeah. I um I was focusing so much on like I was able to hear the pitch like the intervals the pitches and like match them when I was like practicing for that thing that was in D major, and I was like I was surprising myself like I can actually hear this and, and to the point where I wasn't even thinking about using the the popular music references to for for the intervals. Mm. I mean, like that's the goal. It's like it's like finding the tools of things that'll help you get where you want to be and like. You know, it's all about what you want to get out of it too. Like, like for me, yeah. I was like, man, like let's let's uh, for ear training. I was like, well, I just want to be able to hear enough that I can pick things out by ear and like play them. Yeah, you know, which I mean, like on my own, I can pick things. I've I've been able to pick things out and also like write melodies because I'm able to pick it pick them out. Mm-hmm. But like in a very academic context, doing like classical like having to sightseeing classical music and stuff it's yeah. really not my bag right now i mean sightseeing sight reading classical music even as a pianist with buttons that i press <laughs> I, that's so, <laughs> you know i'm so sorry to my yeah my kind but like you know yeah even like that is hard like you know so don't yeah forget. and um and uh to wrap back around part of this like this like me not being satisfied with my ear and like not being able to not um not seeing myself doing well in this ear training course was like part of what made me want to make this record yeah like um because the, i mean i started making it like it's like the last week half of august or something but at the same but during that time i was also like i have the ear training course coming up i i don't know what's going to happen and you know, it was, and now, and now, and now I'm not in it. You know, I was being nervous about, it. I'm like, it, like, is, is it going to be, is it, is it going to go well? 
and like what what the hell am I going to do if I don't do well and I end up having to drop it, you know? Yeah, I mean like man, I think I I think I think you have the ability to be able to go for it sooner than you think. And like, you know, it's it's yeah, like the fact that you're even trying to put out a record like already kind of speaks to like you have your goals and you're going for them. So like, man, like you're going to get the ear training thing. It just takes some time. Like everything takes some time. I remember, I remember being in high school and being like, man, why do I suck at the piano? Which obviously like people are listening. That's a huge exaggeration. Of course. I know everybody yells at me all the time for like, for being like, Andrew, you're not as bad as you say you are. Shut up. You're actually really good. It's just like a self, you know, <laughs> deprecation defense system, whatever it is. But you know, like, you know, we're, we're all getting there just a little bit at the time. And like, man, we're all heading towards our, uh, our goals and aspirations. Slowly. We all, we all just want to uh, get better, you know? Uh, yeah. That's just like, yeah, no matter what the, the short term or even long term goal for any of us, I guess, is like to get better at playing. Yeah, exactly. Get better playing. Get ready. To get better at whatever our artistry is, whether it be composing, playing, uh, uh, creating art, whether it be drawing or painting or sculpting, um, you know, or dancing or performing theater, all of it. Yeah, and um, I think uh, we're we've gone on for a while, and I did I have to podcast someone else soon after this. Oh, um, we're. I, uh, I, first of all, I want to thank you for, for being on the show. Oh man, my pleasure. Again. Last. <laughs> and, um, I'm glad this session had minimal, uh, disruptions. <laughs> hey man, me too. Like things happen. <laughs> Just got to go with the flow of it. You know, things, yeah. things happen. Play the changes. Uh, yeah, man, play the changes even when they're not there. <laughs> got to do it. Yeah. And um uh I hope to finish this record soon so people like you can hear it. And my way. And um oh there's something else I want to say to you. Uh oh shit. There's something else. Oh. <laughs> now you got to rate this explicit. <laughs> They're all explicit anyway. <laughs> oh man. I was trying to be on my best behavior for nothing then. <laughs> Oh man. No, but oh man, I think I lost it. But uh it's uh, it's a uh, it's been cool to have you on again and um it's I mean, it feels weird doing it over like Zoom and shit. But what you going to do? What you going to do? And um uh I'm again, I'm still trying to figure I'm trying to figure out what, what was the la- the one last thing I wanted to say to you. Uh but I don't think it's I don't think it's there. Um the just give me one minute. You got it, man. I'm I'm, I'm I'm having a good time here. You know, I I, I do have to go soon though because I do. I'm supposed to have dinner. Oh, okay. My mom like seven, <laughs> but I think okay. But, but well, no. In fact, that then I'll just I'll just let you go. All right, dude. If you, if you think of it, call me, text me. You know. All right. <laughs> Anybody who knows me who's listening to this, call me, text me. Like I wanted it to be content for the podcast, but uh, um, okay. but again, just uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for um, uh, sitting like dealing with doing this virtually. Oh man, and and the disruptions that come with that. And uh, that 
uh, it's, it's 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 been cool talking to you. Yeah, man, great to great to hear from you. Great to talk from you and uh, talk with you, not from you. Wow. <laughs> oh, that that'd be a trick right there. I know ventriloquism <laughs> over the internet. I nailed it. <laughs> I should have just bluffed with it. Yeah. <laughs> great to be on. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. Be well. See you around. Man.